Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What's up, Kings fans? If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcast, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor, it's totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. everybody this is another episode of making it rain as always with my steam colleague joe how you doing my man <sighs> wonderful random wonderful ready for another live episode how we doing i'm doing pretty good just ate dinner uh had a little uh spicy chicken or whatever i think i made it a little too spicy not as spicy as uh the rain were this weekend with all those goals but <laughs> up there a little bit mouth is still burning they were buzzing too Minya. I mean, what's that 13 goals in two games that's not bad that's uh that's pretty good uh that's not that's not too shabby at all i would uh you know be pressed to find a two-game span for the rest of the season that's probably with that many with that many goals in it but we'll we'll hope for that and uh and see if they can duplicate it later on but uh it's been a good it's been a good week a lot of transactions going on with the kings on their road trip Kings starting or uh, the rain are going to start a big uh tilt here with a wednesday thursday back-to-back then saturday and then monday again against the barracuda so four games in a in a short span uh you know and so we're gonna see if uh you know if they can make up some points on the stockton heat right now only five uh points behind in the standings uh you have uh you know some different leaders and everything like that again first in power play eighth in penalty kill but uh, as we alluded to with the the scoring, uh, they actually raised their power play up 2.9% just in those two games for the season total. So definitely a good weekend, and we will get to that. We're going to start with a different uh, avenue here with uh, taxi squad transactions. So there are a lot of uh, people, a lot of moving parts, as we all know, with the taxi squads and COVID. Uh, Turcotte, uh, Samuel Fagamo, Austin Strand, Valalta, Will Lannon, uh, all uh, in, uh, moving uh, parts this week um you know rain rain got two games coming up maybe they're bringing some other players up uh, maybe they are getting you know athens off of of the injury port you know he's been practicing for quite a while now what do you think about these transactions and do you think it's a little bit more than paper or and then if there were a player to get option back to the rain who do you think deserved the most shot to get called up uh, again recently uh so first of all i it's it's going to be tough for me 
to uh, I'll be careful in terms of speculating if what's paper and what's a real transaction because it's it's really hard to say, uh, particularly when the teams are on opposite ends of the country and determining who's going to go where. Uh, I think it may be a little interesting if if Ingham's on the taxi squad, Valalta's going back. If there's a chance that Valalta could get back into action uh, for the rain on Wednesday. Um, so that's, that's one option, I suppose in terms of a call-up, um, I think we're going to touch on this player a little bit later. Um, but yeah, he, well, he's not part of the taxi squad and Jared Anderson Dolan, but, um, anyways, it's, I think personally, the player that I would like to see in the lineup a little bit more often in place of Oli Modest, Christian Wolanin. Um, I, I, I kind of like what he's, he brings to the game. Uh, I think he's a pretty good puck moving, underrated puck moving defenseman. Nothing flashy, but I think he can get the job done, and I would prefer to see that. I honestly, though, like up front, what what changes are you making? They've dominated the last couple of games, really. Look at five on five, the way they played against the Rangers. So they lost the game in a shootout, but they controlled that game uh, once again. So I I don't know that there's any reason to change anything other than people wanting to see young kids. But at the end of the day. I I don't know what I'm changing there uh, from that lineup. So that's yeah, my I mean point. you're you're. I think sometimes you got to make changes, uh, you know, just to get players some ice time. You know, like too many games on the bench, uh, you know, leads to a little bit of a rust. And so yeah, like you know, rotate Will Annan in. You know, when Mavari's up there, rotate Mavari in for Mata. You know, game here, a game there. You know, they they put uh, you know Grunstrom back in as soon as he got back, even though Turcott wasn't playing badly you know, to get him to shake the rust off and he showed that he could score. So a little bit here and there, but you're right. There was really not too much. Now that Kempe's back, there really is only one spot available with a byfield at 3C now is who plays left wing is the only rotatable spot because it seems like everybody else has pretty much put a foothold on where mm-hmm. they're at. Um, you know, you're not going to – I don't think you see Brown sit a game with, you know, how long he's been on his career. Mm-hmm. Trevor Moore is super hot. Uh, and that fourth line is cooking, uh, you know, more than my hot chicken this afternoon. And so, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I just don't really think there's a spot there. And so, you know, realistically, you're looking at if Lemieux gets, uh, you know, suspended or something like that for his little actions in the game. Nothing's coming down about that yet. So we don't have any uh, idea. But then maybe you see Turcotte or Kupari, uh, you know, slot in there. Um you know, I know Turcotte got loaned down, but, you know, that's only one transaction. But it's a cross-country flight, last-minute type stuff. The only thing that interests me is that the game tomorrow for the uh, rain is early. Yeah. It's real early. Very so true. even if somebody played it in that game and then got on a flight, they could probably make it to New York in time if there, you know, if there was a COVID or something like that test that was last-minute or or something like that. It wouldn't be impossible I know to play two games in one day would be uh, pretty hard, and that's why I would envision Kupari getting the slot if it's a forward. Uh, but you know, to have another taxi squad member for the weekend wouldn't be impossible to 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 send him back on a flight. So we'll see how it goes. Most of the stuff has been paper. Um, you like you know we said with the Kings the same thing with the rain. Don't want too much rust to build. You know, there's nothing wrong with sending Samuel uh, Fagimo and Turcott down to play a couple games. Maybe they're sent back to New York for the weekend or something like that. Uh, who knows how they're uh, in, uh, viewing it. But for the most part, you don't want a lot of those young players sitting for too many straight games because uh, development it only comes by playing. I think if you're the Kings and they're obviously now in a playoff 
position and a playoff push. Like, I don't want to say that they should be a team that goes all in for the playoffs in terms of their sacrifice in the future. I think you know my opinion on that in terms of let's we're still looking to build for the future. But as long as you have these guys, the Grunstroms, the Moors, the Athanasius, the the Lemieux and Lazat, as long as they're here, they're playing well, play them. And I, I, there's no reason to take them out of the lineup just for the sake of playing Turcotte or the sake of playing Fugimo. It doesn't make sense. Put them in Ontario. That's where they should be. Um and let them play hockey. Uh, I know the taxi squad situation allows them to do different things, but if they can get them playing on the ice a bit more in Ontario, do it. Um, and I think the next catalyst will be when Athanasio does make his return. Where does he go? I presume maybe he slots back in the second line left wing. And then now does more slot into where Grunstrom is, which again, just slots other guys down uh, in terms of those, those young kids. So, yeah, I see yeah. no reason to to keep them, you know, in flux. I would get them on the ice in Ontario. Again, I understand the taxi squad. Things are a little bit different right now. But um, that's – I don't think there's any reason to necessarily force feed them into the lineup. Yeah, I mean, and then if you get Leah Sanderson back, you could almost see Kupari going down to the rain just so he's just not on the bench, you know, for consecutive games just to get some work in. So we'll see there. But, you know, speaking of getting players back, you know, you're going – you're going back from injury here for the rain. And, uh, you know, the rain got some key players back over the weekend. They got Kachev, Thomas, and Sodergran um, back, some from injury, some from COVID. You know, what were your thoughts on on how they played, um, you know, and how, you know, will these, uh, pl- you know, how would they help the, uh, uh, the rain, you know, with the roster that they already have? Well, I think first of all, I mean, given the guys that are that have been in Los Angeles, so with, with the taxi squad and you know with the Kings and obviously Byfield's call up, it's a good time for these guys to kind of come back into the lineup. We've seen what Kachev can do uh, with his playmaking ability, how effective he is on the power play, how just such a creative player he is. He's he's as good a playmaker as there is in Ontario, not named Tynan. So um, I. I it's, it's very evident what he can do, and he's a guy that's going to get just totally lost in the shuffle. I, I for a early part of the year, I figure, well, he'll, surely he'll be back in, at Los Angeles at some point. I don't know that I see that right now, but uh, for Thomas, it's it's nice to see him back. I just forgot, for the kid's sake, just put a string of games together. You know, I really yeah, hope yeah. he can stay healthy just to get a string of games together. I don't care so much about what he does, you know, from a production standpoint. I, I When a guy's just out of the lineup for as often as he's been over the last you know year or two, really. You just hope he can get some consistent time. He's a really, really exciting prospect. Um, heck of a release, good at both ends of the ice, fun player to watch, real energy guy too, but he can produce. Um, I just want to see him get some get his his legs back. And Sodergrand, we've spoken highly about him on this show. Um, we our big fans of his, I know I am, he's a power forward. He scores a goal in one of his first game back the other day. So that was great to see. He was been a pretty, he was a solid, you know, pretty consistent guy in the lineup up until his injury. Uh, and he missed a pretty good amount of time. So it's great to see him back. He brings a little bit of a different element and that he can play a, a bit more of a physical style play while being a productive player. So um, these are all different players, uh, but very useful in their own way. Uh, and they can help up and down the lineup, and they can help in special teams as well. So uh, I think it's it's big to get these three back, especially given what's going on with COVID in the NHL and, and the taxi squad. 
Yeah, I mean, you look at two of those players. Kachev got an assist, and Sodergren got the goal, like you mentioned. Um, you know, Kachev's going to definitely help on the power play, which you know, even though they rose to uh, you know a little over two percent just over the, over the two games, you know, definitely a good weekend for scoring. Uh, you're not going to take him out of that because that's where, where he shines. Um, you know, I agree with you. You know, Tom's a Swiss Army knife. I think they they played him at center over the weekend, but uh, he can pretty much play anywhere you need him to play and and be effective. <clears throat> You know, and then Sodergren adding adding grit and size to the bottom six, and you know yep. he's an opportunistic scorer. Ironically, shooting forty two percent this season, you know he's just lights out in the bottom six. When he decides to release it, it goes in. It looks like so. I know it's a short sample size with only seven games, but I was like looking that up. I was like forty two percent. I don't. That's pretty good, regardless of how many games you play in. He's a smart player. We, and we talked about this going into the season. Is he's a he's he's good with he knows where to go without the puck. Uh, he, he can. He's a good. He's a good enough skater at the AHL level, and he's got a pretty good shot too. And and when you can combine all those things with his size and strength, he's he's a tough player to defend, and he's willing to get to to the you know the bottoms of the circles and in front of the net to to put pucks home. So uh, he, he's a he's a good player, and he, he's a solid solid depth player. It's going to be interesting to see as you know uh, players go up, players go down, the trade deadline, how deep the rain will get. Um, you know, and, and see if they can make that push, you know, and, and, and go from there because, you know, they definitely are, are a packed team as we saw yeah. this weekend and they're only five points behind the heat. And so, you know, uh, depending on how healthy the Kings get and, and which will mean more players for the rain, we'll see if this is a, a type of season where they're only going to get stronger as they go forward. I think, and we, as it's been talked about with the Kings, with how you know it's been a logjam, right? Their roster is a bit of a logjam, but that trickles down to Ontario too, uh, especially now that you've got these guys healthy. You know, obviously Byfield's back, and he's already played his handful of games, and he's up, and he's probably up for good. You yeah. know, and now with the three you just mentioned coming back, so it's a situation where it's a good problem to have, but at some point probably something's going to have to give and we'll see what that is and and whether the kings are going to look for some for some veteran help at the deadline or somebody with term at the deadline and who that could mean going from ontario of anyone we'll see what happens but a uh, good problem to have that's for sure and and it makes <laughs> trying to predict a lineup for the AHL and for Ontario borderline impossible to, to, to know who's going to be in the lineup tomorrow right for yeah. on wednesday on wednesday morning so uh but we'll see well, it looks like my camera went back to Russia with all this waves here, but we're going to try to get through it here. Uh, let's let's move on under the radar. So we're talking about which which player here being under the radar, and that's Jared Anderson Dolan having a ve- very uh, low key season. You know, and you look at him uh, being on the the fans' tongue at the beginning of the season, him or Lazat wanting him to him to be four C, all this kind of stuff. You wrote a great article about why Lazat should be it, and he's proving that he's a very valuable player the way he's playing right now i believe he's on pace lazat for 10 goals and as a 4c like you can't really you can't really be mad at that of how well and that line is playing and so with the byfields and the turcots and the two defensemen grons and spence that came up and and all these players it seems like jad kind of got thrust down playing 3c on the rain not really getting that pub uh that he uh, might have gotten earlier in the year with how well lazat is playing having a very effective season. Yeah. Listen, 
I'm I'm going to pump our own tires a little bit here because I think he may have been maybe under the radar for for a lot of Kings fans, but I don't think he has been for us. I think we've talked about no, him on this no. show. In my opinion, other than Furk and Tynan, who are on totally different stratospheres, Jared Anderson Dolan has been the most consistent and the best forward in the he's Ontario been the best, line. He's been the third best player on the team all year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He 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 really has been, and and that's why when there was a lot of the the people you know the talk about Turcotte coming up, I was like, well, <laughs> he's not even the best next best forward here. Jared Anderson Dolan is, um, and he can do a lot of the same type of energy things, and he he scored at the NHL level, right? I mean, I questioned his shooting percentage and whether or not it was sustainable, but the fact is, he put pucks in the net at the NHL level, and I think the only thing that's hurting him right now is Blake Lazat, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I mean. I talked about it at the start of the season, but I didn't necessarily envision a ton of offense coming from Lazat like we've seen at, at times this season. But the way he plays the game, he's a good defensive center, and he, he works hard. He creates turnovers. He he, he draws penalties. He, he's a really, really effective player. And I think if it weren't for the season that Lazat's having, we may see Anderson Dolan. But it's a situation where the Kings and Rob Blake have used – you know, this is how they're managing their assets in terms of we got guys that that can go down to Ontario. They don't have to clear waivers. We're going to utilize that to the best as, as we can use. And it hasn't hurt them. The Kings are in a position where I don't think a lot of people thought they'd be in the standing. So no, that, anything- that, line, that line is that line is buzzing. I mean, that line is buzzing. I mean, you have Lemieux who's having such a great year that nobody really thought. Yeah. Kapari is is having a productive season out of the on the fourth line with the second power play. You know, scoring enough to be effective, learning how to play defense Kaliev. a little bit more. Kaliev, yeah. Yep. And uh, so Lazat's doing exactly what he, I thought he would do. But, you know, when you have that effective scoring you saw from Jad last year, you know, that's always on the back of the mind because as as we saw and a lot of people have posted, you know, their goals, you know, their goals expected is last in the league. They're not scoring. Um, I believe Russell, uh, our, one of our writers said that they are, if they even shot league average, uh, they would be fifth in the league in goals. So, so they're just yeah. not scoring. And so when Jad was scoring last year, that's why everybody was clamoring for him. And that's a, you know, and, and given how the season has gone, that's, that's fair because if, and listen, it, we all had a crystal ball, but we don't know if you take Jad and you plug him into the NHL, if he's going to shoot near 20% again, if you knew he was going to do that, well, then maybe he's there. But at the, it's just hard to take Lazat out of the lineup, I think, um, at this point. He hasn't done anything to play himself out of it. And so I just think for Anderson Dolan, he's just in caught in a numbers crunch. And I think it was – we had a question on the live show last week as he kind of lost his place. I And I and I answered, and I, I still believe it. I don't think so. I think he's he's, he's growing into a, a solid, you know, depth player that can probably play – I see him as a guy that in you know when he does get into the NHL because I think he the way his growth is going he's going to be an NHL player and maybe he's consistently like a third line sprinkle fourth line here and there but I also think he's got the skill set that he can you you see what Trevor Moore's doing he plays up and down yeah. the lineup he'll play fourth line he'll play second line I think Anderson Dolan can ha- has that ability I mean you see him play power play in in Ontario he's been he's playing both specialty teams unit in Ontario he's getting a lot of ice time and I think he's doing a hell of a job he's been an awesome player for them it's just a situation of numbers um and that's part of the reason why I said before now I don't know where that Anderson Dolan fits necessarily maybe the need but I think the Kings are deep 
in their organization at forward to where if they're to make a move come deadline time, like we talked about last week, do it on the back end because I think they've got forwards that get, they can plug in place throughout the lineup from Ontario into the Kings that, that you can not miss a beat and, and it ain't going to hurt you, I should say. So, yeah. and he's one of them. Yeah. You look at the season he's having, let's go through some stats here. He's third on the team in points, second on the team in power play goals, uh, uh, sixth on the team in points per game, third on power play assist, and he's shooting 21.2% on the season, which I believe is third uh, overall outside the outliers of Johan Soderan being 40-something only with seven games. And so you're looking, he's being effective. I think you're right, the fact that if you know Lazat were to go down, I would feel completely comfortable with Jad uh, being on the fourth line and, and coming <clears throat> in. And then anything at the trade deadline – He's still a second round pick. He's having an effective season. He could be a piece where uh, a lower uh, level team where he could play three or four C for that team as well. So then you're getting a piece that is already developed that could play that year for whatever team you're trading with and could be a piece going into next season that um, can be effective on your team right away. The thing with prospects is you don't know always how they're going to perform. So when you get first round picks or you get a guy who, you know, say like a Tyler Madden, right, who was a third round pick, had a good year in college but he's still an unknown as far as his size going into the pro ranks where Jad has proven it already in the AHL level. So let me ask you this with Anderson Dolan, because I'm asked, this is a question that I, I'm, you know, how do we, how do we look at this? He has 11 goals in Ontario, which is great. Eight of them on the power play, which is third best in the American league, by the way. Okay. So file one, that away. one other guy ahead of him is Ferg. right? He has um, 12 assists. Half of those on the power play. So he has 14 power play points, which is among if it is it is among the league leaders in the American Hockey League. So yes, he's producing in the AHL. He's probably not going to be put in to a power play role in LA if he gets called up and was to play. So is the expectation that he's going to produce at the levels he's doing in Ontario, which is all special, a lot special teams. And then you're going to ask him to do the same thing five on five at the NHL level. So do you see what I'm saying like that? I, that's where it's care. You have to be careful when you're looking at just, just his, his overall points. Cause as you've pointed out, his power play has been so effective. He may not see that power play time in Los Angeles. He probably won't right. Let's be honest, maybe on the second unit. So, I don't know if it's fair to, to say, well, look at how well he's performing in Ontario. He can do that with the Kings. He did it last year. Well, there's a lot of, it's a lot of special teams right now in Ontario. I don't want to take that away from Anderson Dolan. It's just, let's not just say he can do it five on five in Ontario where, or in Los Angeles, if you were to get called up, you see what I'm saying? Does that make where I'm no, going? I get, I, get, I, I get what you're saying. And I think you're looking at, will Todd McClellan use him the way he's being used in the rain is, because I think, you know, Tom McClellan's has been pretty strict, you know, on leaving certain players in there that maybe, not to say don't deserve it, but maybe like you could have tried Kaliev on the first power play a, more than what he has been. And it's been mainly second power play. Um, you know, you could say, hey, Brown hasn't been as effective this year as he was on the power play last year. Maybe he takes over for for Brown in that uh, that lower role there. You know, and and who knows what the team is going to look like next year, right? We said o- almost over yeah, half right. the c- contracts are going to be 
uh, either UFA or RFA. So all I'm all I just want to think of the positive here. One, you and I both said that he needs to develop a skill, that skill being effective on one of the special teams to earn ice time. He's done that this season on both. Yep. To to earn ice time and not only not on the rain, but on the Kings if he were to get called up. So next season, most likely he's our four C. Most likely. You know, I, would, I don't foresee yeah. them signing Lazat back just because of how many prospects we have. It's not offense to Lazat. And uh, you yep. know, somebody asked me on Twitter today, you know, do you think they signed on Lazat, how effective he's been? I, th- I say no, be- and, and you wouldn't trade him away either because the fact that the pick that you're going to get for Lazat is minimal uh, with a team that's full of prospects, full of, of picks anyways. Yep. Yep. You're playing for this year. And then so if Jad steps in next year and then he's effective on the penalty kill and he could be on a power play too next season – He's learning those skills for a reason. Uh, you know, this season might not be as effective as far as because maybe there's no spot on the power play, or maybe he's not uh, as trustworthy of an asset to Todd McClellan with him not practicing or seeing him in practice or earning that in practice and just shoving him in, right? You could shove Furk in because his best asset is his shot. Same thing with Kalia. But when you when you put players who like are in the bumper role or they're down below the net. Uh, that's a lot has to do with chemistry and sight and knowing what where players are going to do. What is is Kopitar going to go down? Is he going to go up when I do this? Where Brown has that pretty much memorized, and Jad would have to learn that. You know, maybe not this season, but I, I you know, the long winded answer would be, yeah, I could see him in a power play role next season, and I still think he could be an effective player because he still does penalty kill for the rain, and, and that's what Lazat's asked to do. I agree. And I think next year is probably where we see him in a much more of a established role with the Kings. Um, again, it's a numbers game, you know, and I think you're seeing it. You saw it the other day with McClellan where he's in th- <laughs> as much as there's noise about play the kids and, and you know, byfield and I've, you know, he, he's got to win games right now. He's he, he, so, and I'm not saying that he shouldn't, I byfield probably should have played a little bit more yesterday, particularly in overtime. So obviously McClellan sees this differently, and he's gonna ha- he has to lean on who he trusts, and he just probably isn't a guy that trusts the young kids very much right now. Right or wrong, I'm I'm not necessarily here to opine on that. It's just the Kings are in a spot where they're actually in a playoff position, and so Todd McClellan has to win games. And if he doesn't trust some of the young guys yet, then they're not going to see the time. Um, and that means a guy like Lazat's going to stay, and Anderson Dolan's going to wait in Ontario until his, his time comes, but, uh, which might be, un- which might be unfair, right? Turcotte had what three games didn't really, he, he was good enough to be in the NHL, but didn't like, he didn't score any points or do any of that kind of stuff. He didn't force his hand. Dursey came up, yes. forced his hand by scoring. Great example. Yeah. Kaliev came, came up, yep. earned his trust playing uh, more sound defensively. Right. And so you have these players that come up and earn that trust by Phil's the second overall pick. Chances are he was going to be the third C mm-hmm. at the start of the season without his injury anyways. Maybe he already earned that trust with T-Mac, you know, uh, yeah, in, it's in the, camp. It's fair. And yep. so it's like you have all these players who, you know, unfair or unfair, have to come up, score right away to keep their spot, which is not necessarily fair with maybe two or three game sample size, right? Samuel Figimo played well, in my opinion. But are you going to, you know, with Kent Pay having the season he's having, you're right. not going to – and right. then Trevor Moore has been lighting it on fire. So then where does that put you? Then he's playing with Grunstrom, who, uh, you know, is on our team. I think he has seven goals. I mean, he's he's uh, one of the top scorers playing bottom six minutes. 
He's not afraid to hit. He grinds yeah. uh, down in the lower areas. Uh, he got in a fight the other night, you know. So like he's doing the things that that coaches like to see, right? He can score if he wants. He's pretty good at uh, passing. Can make some plays inside, and is not afraid to get physical. Which you know the Kings, being a speed team, you know they need a little bit of that physicality. And I think that's why Lemieux is being, or that line, that whole line, but mainly because of Lemieux. Uh, you know, having that grit is being trusted more in the third period than, you know, the the third, quote unquote, third line that you see on the docket. Yeah. I, and I, I think that you hit the nail on the head when it comes to, you know, you, you, fair, fair, fair unfair. You have to come in and you have to show that you can make an impact right away. And I like a guy like Jersey did that. And I'll be honest, I think Byfield has had some, man, he's had a couple of pretty good opportunities that have just missed. I, I think that it's going to come for Byfield, and I think he's going to be fine. I think he's going to be here to stay. I, 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 Turcotte, I think, just needs more seasoning. That's all. And he's because I don't think, and this is what the conversation we had uh, a month or so ago was who is he coming up for, and who is he replacing in the lineup, and what is he bringing that's any different that's in the lineup? Nothing, really. Like, what is he different? What's, what is, is it going to be that much different than Carl Grunstrom? I don't know. Is it worth it to 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 lose a player like Runstrom that, that they may deem as a depth piece just to force Turcotte into the lineup? Why? Let, let him play on with, with the taxi squad, and I know the regulations for COVID have went down, but it's still a fear of losing a player for two or three games. And then you know you send a player like you you know you send Grunstrom down, uh, he gets picked up in, on waivers. So I don't think he's waiver exempt, uh, and then. And then, oh, oh, whoop, somebody gets COVID. And then you're bringing up another guy, and then the rain are depleted. So I think they're just playing right now. And, you know, we'll see if the the, the package, you know, for Chikrin or whoever else they're going for, or if they think that, um, you know, a player like Jared Anderson Dolan or like, uh, you know, uh, Samuel Fagamo will, or Martin Furk are so hot down there that they feel okay trading away an Athens CU or Elias Anderson to make room, um, you know, but uh, they got to earn it. And like Kapari, when he first came up, had a good start, right? He was he was in the center circle. He was over 53%, uh, had a goal and a couple assists in his first, you know, couple games there. And then it, it was just kind of stale. And so I think you look at, okay, well, Byfield is ready to go. Let's give him a shot. So it's a really tough situation. I want to see all the kids play um, as much as everybody else. But now that we're in second place, I want to win more than anything else. So you know, if, if I have to wait another year, which is kind of bumming me out, you know, this is um, having, you know, the number one prospect pool for so long and you want to see these guys come to fruition, but we're seeing on the rain and that's who we're covering. We're seeing yep. all these talented people there and to, to bring it back around full circle. I think, um, you know, I know we're doing the mid the midway point episode next week, uh, but, you know, just a spoiler, I think Jad's the most improved player uh, probably on the team from last season. And I, I think he's earning every single a second of ice time that he has been given. Couldn't agree more. All right. For everybody in here, this is a live show, as you guys have seen. So if you guys want to put your questions in the chat, uh, Joe and I would love to answer them. Let's move on. Uh, Road on a weekend. That was a lot of R's, and I, I failed at the weekend pronunciation. But you will forgive me. Two games against the Roadrunners. Plenty of goals. So uh, if you want to go back on AHL TV, I know they lowered the price for this because uh, they're halfway through the season. Uh, they have a lot of these games backed up and you can just watch uh, the cavalcade of goals for both sides go in. Let's talk about the first game. Uh, the rain wins seven, three. 
Uh, it, it was a quite an interesting game. Uh, some stuff that we really like to see, you know, the power play or the penalty kill has been really uh, the issue all year long for the de- defense, right? The the rain leading the league in, I believe, 3.96 goals per <clears> game uh, and having to outscore their opponents. But, uh, you know, a solid three for three on the penalty kill, uh, you know, give so no power play goals for the road runners, having to do a five on five. Uh, and uh, the rain came out hot in this one. I mean, that was they, that's an understatement. They they completely dominated the opening uh, twenty minutes of that game. I think the shots were fourteen to three uh, yeah. in the first period of that game. They scored three goals. Took All a while five from five. Yep, it took a while from to come, but they did. And you know, they get this is when this is what's going to make this team the rain as as the rosters eventually get somewhat settled i hesitate to say settled but look at the goal scorers in this game they ran the gamut you know johan Sodergrand in his first game backs puts a goal in Furk again wagner aiden dudas gets on the board in this game we talked about anderson dolan so that's pretty spread out uh which is nice to see and you know we didn't even hear some of the other bigger names uh get on the score sheet so they're going to have be able to come at teams in waves and this was an example of that where they just completely dominated the game they get three goals in the first period um and just made a team like tucson chase a game that they don't have frankly the capability to chase particularly if they're not going to be able to put pucks in on the net or uh, pucks in on the power play so um you know Ferk gets the hat trick and uh, Spence with three more assists, and oh, by the way, TJ Tynan, three more assists. No surprise there, but a dominant performance from the rain all around. Yeah, you look at, like you said, um, and, and what the Kings have been doing, the Kings have been out shooting everybody, and the rain have, are doing the same exact thing in this game. And so uh, you look at, like you said, three goals in the mat- less than two minutes, just bang, bang, bang right away, up 3 nothing, and then it looks like a whole different ball game. We were in one of those typical – uh, periods where we've seen from the Kings this year where they just outshoot and dominate the whole period and don't score. Or the other team scores in the last right. minute. I know we were joking in our uh, <laughs> our business chat the other night. Uh, our fearless leader, Ryan Slice, was like, this seems like the time where the Kings are going to give up a last-minute goal and we've dominated the whole period, and, and, it, and it happened. Uh, the rain did not let that happen. They they put the the foot on the throat in the first period and and justified the outshooting them 14-3. to You know, you had, like you said, you had some odd <laughs> characters – Scoring goals on this one. Sodergrand comes back, gets the first goal, third of the season. Spence keeping up his assist train. Uh, Wagner with two points in the period. Tiny with two points. And Burke with two points in the period. So uh, some uh, multiple point games already after after the first 20 minutes. And, you know, the, the, the thing with the Kings versus the Rain, you mentioned the Kings shooting percentage earlier uh, this podcast. The Rain do not have that problem. They have the number one shot shooting percentage, excuse me, in the Western Conference, and it's third overall in the AHL at 13.54. The AHL average is just a tick over 10. So um, they do not have a problem putting pucks in the net. So um, that's a big reason why we see this team just being able to score almost at will at times is is their ability to put pucks in the net. And, you know, there's the argument that, well, how sustainable is – you know, uh, uh, that high of a shooting percentage and, and yada, yada. But I, as I just alluded to, when you're getting the scoring across the lineup like they're getting, that's that's pretty dangerous. And I think that is sustainable. Yeah, I think you're looking at a team that who is stacked, right? Play the kids, play the kids. Well, if they're not playing the kids and on the Kings, they're all down here. And so 
you know, it's going to be something that we're going to see more and more of as as the rosters get packed. I mean, not, you know, not to beat a dead horse, but if if the Kings get healthy and and uh, towards the end of the season, and if no moves are made, you're going to see a very stacked rain team going into the playoffs uh, where they can definitely beat anybody. Uh, moving into the second period, you see Tucson finally get back on the board. Uh, you know, we go up four. We go up four with uh, Aiden Dudas's the back-to-back goals uh, with a high draft pick Jan Yenick, uh, and then Travis uh, Barron there. So back-to-back, and then you know the the guy who never stops chugging Martin Furk on the power play uh, from none other than Amazing. TJ Tynan and Jordan Smith. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and again, that that's a credit to his power play goal. Spence at the top, over to the right circle, and the, the half fall to Tynan, cross seam over to Furk, one time goal. Shocker, we've seen it a billion times this year. But again, credit to Spence. That was Jersey's spot, and Jersey excelled at it. And Spence has just stepped in almost seamlessly. He's looked so so good. Jordan Spence has, um, and I, I can't say I can't say enough about him and how good he's looked this season. And uh, it's great. It's and, it, and it's great to see the production come with it too, right? I mean, sometimes you see guys playing well, but now he, he's also producing. He's a weapon on the power play, so it's great. Yeah, you. I saw this tweet from somebody. I forget who it was, but they showed all of uh, Ovechkin's power play goals, <laughs> and it was like the half the ice was just blue dots from where he scored, <laughs> and the right side of the ice. Zero goals in his entire career from the right side of the ice on the power play. It was all in Ovi's kitchen. And I'm sure uh, Martin Furk's uh, shot profile looks something similar this season uh, with him scoring goals on the power play from over there. So moving into the third, you know, the Tucson puts a little bit of pressure on him, outshot some or outshoots some 15 to seven in the second. So, you know, with, uh, uh, but what happens there before the, uh, the third period, Jared Anderson Dolan gets one from the Swedish connection of Helge Granz and Jacob Rivari. So, you know, you're going in there, man, just humming going into the, the third period, uh, kind of put a kibosh on uh, maybe a comeback from Tucson uh, with their two goals in the second. And then uh, they don't waste any time with uh, Ferkster getting his second power play goal of the game in the third. Yep. And again, it just, it's, it just continues to be impressive. Jer- uh, Jordan Spence again, making things happen. It, it's, and 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 Jared Anderson Dolan in front of the net too. So it's just things are clicking right now. That PP is still clicking. Um, it's it's just that, and that obviously puts the game, if it wasn't already out of hand, well out of hand. So um, it's just it's, it's good to see them finish the game off strong. Yeah, shooting uh, Martin Furk with fifty percent shooting percentage, <clears throat> had six shots, three goals. <laughs> First star of the game with three goals. Tynan had three assists. Second star of the game, and Jordan Spence had three assists there for the second star of the game. Uh, the start on that game was Jacob Ingham, uh, yep. pretty decent night there. Uh, and we'll get to his, uh, gameplay this weekend a little later on in a different topic. So we'll move on to the next game there for the Tucson road run. This one was a little bit closer, six, five, uh, a little bit of back to forth in the first period. Uh, but, uh, the, uh, the Tucson Roadrunners get it started early with a uh, Carson, uh, with a goal on the power play, uh, halfway through the first. Uh, there was a lot of power play goals in that first period. Uh, four, four, yeah. four to be exact. So nobody, uh, nobody special teams uh, defense was doing anything. But there was uh, six six penalties and four power play goals. So that tells you everything you need to know right there. And to nobody's surprise, Martin Furk chipped one into uh, a power play goal himself uh, in the first period. So yeah, you know, listen, you expect a little bit of a response from you know a team gets more or less blown out, you could say, the night before. So a little bit of a better effort from Tucson in the first period, which, again, I think is to be expected. And, you know, Ontario, 
Yeah, figured they were due. They they went three for three on the kill the night before, so they probably weren't going to kill much, if anything, in the next day. And sure enough, they give up two in the first period. So uh, on on the Tucson's power play. So uh, again, stuff's going to happen. Um, and the way the penalty kill has been going this season, it's just they haven't been able to string together, you know, games of 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 not allowing power play goals. There's been only a few games this season where that's happened. So uh, unfortunately, that's that's the one thing that's kind of the 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 Dark it's killing both clubs. Yeah, it's killing both yeah. clubs. Yeah, yeah it's true. It's true. So you know, familiar aspect here with the uh, Jared Anderson Dolan getting his tenth goal of the season. So getting back up to double digits, uh, and Gabriel Velarde with a nice apple uh, uh, on that goal as well. Scrolling in the second period, this is when the rain really pushed it forward. Three straight goals starts it early with a goal from Cameron Gantz. Uh, You know, Ferk can also uh, pass it too with an assist there. Uh, from him and Braden Burke, and then Braden Burke gets fed for his fifth goal of the season uh, from Ferk and uh, Helge Grantz just started off quick. You know, like we talked about the last game, again, look at the goal scorers in this second period. Cameron Gantz puts a puck in the net. Braden Burke puts a puck in the net. And when you're getting contributions like this, when you know that the the way Tynan and Ferk are, that they're going to be getting points on a nightly basis, and when you're also going to be chipping in Dudas, who scores later in this game too, Braden Burke chips in. You get points from the defense. You know, as Akil Thomas gets gets his feet under him. I mean, Kachev is back now. So you Soderground we talked about earlier. So the 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 depth of scoring for this team is going to be really really hard for teams to to handle. Yeah, I mean it's 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 something that's crazy there <laughs> and how and how good they are consistently. Uh, Janerson Dolan double up on the on the power play gets his 11th of the season with another assist from Velarde. Moving on to the third period, uh, ex uh, Rain, ex King draft pick Cole Holtz gets his third of the season for uh, for the Roadrunners. We saw that in the in the trade uh, earlier in the offseason. Uh, and then Aiden Judas with assist from Kachev and Castatol. So uh, just kind of poured it on. Really, uh, even though it was closer than what. Uh, what it looked like, uh, I, I didn't think that the, at least in my opinion, it didn't feel like a panicky end of the third period. Did it for you? No, it didn't. It didn't. I mean, it, it seemed like a game that I, I, it felt like they always had in hand. Um, and, and, you know, the late goal, okay, it puts a little bit of pressure on, but um, it, it never was a game that it, it felt like that, that Tucson was overly dominating that third period or anything like that. And I'm going to just shout to Aiden Dudas. It was good to see him put a couple in back-to-back like that. He had gone a long stretch without scoring goals um, midway, or, you know, a little earlier in the season. So nice to see him, you know, put a couple of games together. He put some pucks in the net. Yeah, it's it's, it's good to see. You got to have that bottom six score as well. Um, and so, you know, coming in, uh, the, you know, I, I would say the only downfall for the weekend is the the penalty kill. We saw the the percentage go up again, first in the in the in the Pacific Division there uh, with twenty eight point three percent on the power play, eighth. Um, they went down 0.3 percent um, uh, with a seventy three overall on the season, and so not great. Like I said, we're only five points back from the Heat. That's going to be something that's going to be big, right? Because there's we talked about it a couple episodes ago that they're. Um, their special teams has really held them up this whole season. Yeah, and and the only good thing about the upcoming games for uh, Ontario in their regard is uh, the only team with the worst uh, penalty kill is San Jose, and that's who they've got tomorrow and Thursday. So um, worst penalty kill, best power play. That should be. We should see some uh, the lamps lit. That could get dangerous if San Jose's in ahead to the box. Yeah. 
So let's uh, speaking of in between the pipes. Uh, Ingham got both uh, both games this weekend. Uh, we saw Matty Valalta on the taxi squad sent back down today, and Ingham got sent up. So maybe they're just doing a little switcheroo, getting some Valalta some games. Uh, we'll see for sure tomorrow with the transactions that happen before game time uh, and everything like that. But what was your impression of Ingham in, in these two games? Obviously, gave up a, a, a fair amount of goals in in yeah. a, a two game <laughs> span. Uh, as you know, a lot of power play goals, three of them there. Uh, but still some five-on-five five stuff. Did you like the way you saw from in the net a little bit bigger of a goalie than what we see from Velalta? So I actually – I really liked his – he played one game early in the season against Abbotsford, and I really liked that game. I thought he played very well. Um, the end, he, he didn't end up getting a win. They lost in overtime. Um, but I thought he played very well. And he was he was okay in these like, – I mean, let's, let's call spade a spade here. He gave up, what, eight goals in two games? That's a lot of goals to give up yeah. uh, in, in a couple of games, no matter how you slice it. So um, it's it, he was fine. I don't think it's anything necessarily to write home about. And, if you know, he's had a, that type of season in – the ECHL, frankly, um, with Greenville, he's got an 895 save percentage down there. So it's been a little bit of a grind, it seems, um, for him this this season in general. So, um, I, you know, again, I think coming into the season, like looking at the goaltending prospects as a whole, that was a big talking point of there's nothing coming behind Cal. And, you know, I think we've seen some some bright spots, right? We've seen Valalta play well. We've seen Parikh kind of step in and his feet have gotten wet now and he's played okay. I thought Ingham had a really good first start in Ontario early in the season. The season's been so-so. I'll be honest, haven't watched Greenville, so I'm not going to comment too much on his play, but the numbers aren't strong. I'm still waiting for my uh, login and password to the Swamp Rabbits uh, (laughs) live feed. And, and, you know, these last couple games, it's, it's... this it it doesn't help. It's a very good point that three of the goals were were power play goals, and he's playing behind a team that has had one of the worst power penalty kills in the American Hockey League. So that's not going to help him. So, um, all in all, it was it was it was okay. It was adequate. He picked up a couple of wins, which is which is probably nice to see too for him. Yeah, that you know it's something we talked about. You you mentioned it, and we talked about it in the in the preview for the season episode, back on episode one or two. Uh, about how like the goalie position for after Cal Peterson's up in the air, right? They had David Atrenic, uh, who remains unsigned, who had a decent year in college this season. Uh, you know, last year brought his team to the uh, to the uh, NCAA championship. I forget if they won or not. I should have done more research on that. I apologize, fans. But we have you know Lucas Perique, we have Jacob Ingham, we have, you know Manny Valalta. Nobody's really taking the reins, and I think Valalta got first crack at it because of his seniority. Uh, but we assume that even next season it'll be quick and Cal Peterson in the pipes again because quick is still under contract. And so that'll be another season as a pro for Volalta. That'll be it. And maybe they won't get a veteran uh, third goalie next season. Right. Maybe Volalta is the, the third guy that comes up. Uh, if if there is an injury in the upper level, you see Ingham and, and Parikh get more games. Uh, there and they don't sign a you know a Sparks or a Barube or or somebody of that ilk. This unforgettable yeah, they'll be interested to see how that how they end up shaking that out. Obviously, I think a big question mark is Jonathan Quick and, and whether or not he stays in. I think it's more of a talking point if the Kings are out of it at this point, right? And they're going to deal him perhaps to a contender that could need a goalie. So, with the where the Kings are in the standings, I think that's got to be 
off the table at this point. Um, and if that's the case, I, I think I would be pretty surprised if they dealt him in the off season, but you never know. Um, I, I, if they make I, the playoffs, he has to stay, right? I mean, like, I would unless, imagine unless you're getting uh, like, unless Cal, unless Cal just lights it up. And, but then who's trading for for quick at that point? You know, like it doesn't yeah. really I don't really see it. The only way quick moves is at the deadline. But then you have to be confident that Cal is going to be able to lead you. And then why are you dealing a goalie who has been good this season if you're in a playoff push? Yeah, I tend to agree with that. In which in which case I would agree that I think it's pretty unlikely he would move in the offseason. The only scenario I think I could see it is just cap stuff. If they yeah. if they go out and they they you know, if they're looking to get a big time forward, if they're going to, they want to get a Phil Forsberg or they want to bring in a big defenseman, it's going to cost some money. You know, maybe that's that's the route they go is 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 quick on the way out. But again, Kempe Kempe scores fifty and gets ten million. Oh, right, <laughs> exactly. So you know, I think that's the only thing I can see. So right now. I don't know. I think and listen, and Ingham, it's he's still he's very young still. So there's no, it's not like there needs to be these alarm bells going off for a 21 year old who has had a couple of sh- you know shaky starts. It's okay. I mean, I think it's it's going to take a little bit of time. I think it takes time in general for the goalies to kind of develop and come through. And I think we've seen big improvements from Manny Valalta this year. So you know, perhaps we start to see some of that going into next season for Ingham as well. Yeah, so it's, it's it's something to see there. And by the way, people, I was joking. I don't think that uh, – well, hopefully Kempe does score 50 goals. And I won't, <laughs> I'll be glad to be wrong about that, but I don't think that that's going to happen, and I don't think he's going to get 11 million, so don't at me on Twitter. Um, moving on, let's go to uh, Rain Star of the Week. And I know we usually do whoever besides Ferk and Tynan, but I think we just got <laughs> – I think that COVID made uh, Ferk stronger. He like you, kind of like the Hulk used, uh, you know, like uh, all the radiation to to become the Hulk. I think for he became stronger and came back with a vengeance. And he's my rain player of the week or star of the week. Yeah, how could he not be when he picks up seven points at the hat trick on uh, on Saturday? He's he's been a freak. He's just been a freak. And I always find it and I find it impressive when guys can can come down and still perform after that at, at the high level after. You know, having a bit of time in the NHL, maybe a little bit of disappointment coming down. He scores a hat trick right off the hop. So, um, good on him. Who, uh, if uh, if you're going to go with another player, who would uh, who would you pick there? <laughs> you know, uh, again, obviously the absent for Kintainen, it's going to be a little bit off the radar. I think he's a guy that they they acquired and he came over in the Boko Mama deal, and that's it's Braden Burke. He picked up. He was third star of the game on on Sunday. He picked up uh, four points in the two games. He's been a, a solid depth player. He's played up and down the lineup. He's played top line with Tynan and Ferk a lot of times this season, and he's played down on, on lines with Sutter, and he's been an effective player. I know he's not a, a Kings prospect, but he's a young player, a depth player in the organization, and I think he's done a really, really nice job in his first year in Ontario. So I'm going to give him the nod for, for my star of the week this uh, these last couple of games. Yeah, we got we got to throw it around. I mean – uh, we can just give the we can call it the the FERC player of the week because uh, uh, you know it, t- it typically goes to him or to Tynan. But you know Burke's been a very solid this season. Uh, you know under the radar transaction and in, in that deal, and and we like to see him. Uh, he often plays with the Tynan and FERC line uh, and getting some getting some uh, rub this weekend with getting rewarded on on the score sheet. So that's definitely a good there. Um, I think that's going to be it, my man. We're looking at a. Uh, Four games. Uh, this let me reshot those out. 
uh, Wednesday, Thursday. So back to back starting tomorrow, or by the time this thing comes out, it'll be pretty much the game will be on at San Jose Barracuda. Yeah, you're looking at Saturday the 29th uh, at Stockton Heat, and then Monday, uh, January 31st uh, versus San Jose. So for all you live listeners, uh, you know the the schedule coming up. You can get up early and watch the Barracuda. If you're listening to this in your car, uh, stuck on the four or five, then well, you're too late for the the Wednesday game there, and and you can look at the highlights. Uh, you know, after this weekend, though, I just got to give a shout out. Uh, Tynan second in the league in scoring, uh, six goals, 33 assists at 39 points. Ferk moved out of, from out of the top 10 with his seven point performance this weekend, back into number five, uh, 18 goals, 18 assists, 36 points. So not just doing it with uh, lighting the lamp, getting the apples too. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's great to see. It's nice to look up at the standing or the the league leaders too, and see some see the rain guys up there. I think that's always nice. Yeah, so uh, you know we talked about some good ones. Uh, Jad getting getting some nods. Spence getting mm-hmm. up there in the assists. Mm-hmm. So a lot of players are starting to develop, hitting their stride. Uh, and you know, as we look at, again, I'm not going to say this too many more times because it's just going to be a fruition. Is is the healthier the Kings get, the healthier the rain are going to get. And then, what players are going to be coming in after their season's end? Are we going to see a Martin Kromiak help? Uh, you know, sure. the top, he's going to probably be on the third line. Will Brock Faber go pro and play on the right side with Grons and Spence and have that loaded right side there? Uh, who's to know how, how it's going to go, which players are going, which directions? It's going to be a wild ride, and we're here to cover it every week. As always, you can look uh, us up on all of our articles at HockeyRoyalty.com. Uh, articles uh, pumping out every single day. Our team is a factory, a machine of content. Uh, going there, we have our Kings content. Another podcast came out today with the the guys doing the Kings group. Yep. Next week, we will be doing a uh, like midway through the season Kings and Rain edition uh, on two separate nights. So um, I will be hosting both of those. So they will both be live. Come on, ask us our questions. Have fun in the chat, um, uh, which you guys have been doing. And then uh, you could find us on at on Twitter. At hockey underscore royalty. I'm at Randall Commando 24. And where can they find you, Joe? At uh, JW Paterino. So we're always there to answer your questions. Love talking to you guys on Twitter. Love watching good hockey right now. Can't beat it, right? Kings are in second place. Rain are in second place. Goals are a flowing, at least for one team. Uh, some more <laughs> difficult wins for, for the Kings. But hey, a W is a W. Points are points. And we got to see some silky mitts from Byfield last night getting the shootout goal. Mm-hmm. So we got to love Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to sign off, my friend. Good talking to you, Joe. And as always, go Rango, go Kings, go. Have a good one.